Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Very quickly, if you weren't here last week, I, I urge you please to go and, and um, go listen to this online because this all ties into where we're going this year, okay? Uh, at the beginning of the year, on New Year's weekend, I kind of, I don't know what to call it. What do you call it when you kind of like announce something or reveal something or un- unfold, I guess you could say it? What I believe the Holy Spirit has given us for 2017. And this has been a unique year. Last year was kind of like that too, but this year is even more unique. Usually I don't get anything from, from the Lord about the f- new year that's coming in until that week between Christmas and New Year's. But this year it happened like a month, a month and a half before. And I asked the Lord, what is the emphasis for 2017 for New Beginnings Christian Church, for New Beginnings Christian Church, for New Beginnings Christian Church? Because every church should have its own fresh take from the Holy Ghost, what they're supposed to do, okay? Um, God speaks one thing to one pastor. He speaks something, another emphasis to another pastor. That's the way it's supposed to be, amen? You remember in the book of Revelations when Jesus talked and sent messages to all those different churches? How many remember that? I think it's Revelation chapter 2, chapter 3. Each church had a different message for those pastors. Amen? And so this year, I heard instantly when I asked the Lord, Lord, what's the emphasis for this year? Instantaneously, eyes on eternity. This is the year that we're supposed to become more aware of what's going on in the realm of eternity, what's going on in the realm of the spirit, what's going on in the realm. And I like to put it this way, because sometimes... Religion has made us think over throughout the, the, throughout the years, you know, in our training, that, you know, that realm is so far away, and it's not. I like to, I like to say it this way. This is the year that we come a, become more aware of what's going on beyond the veil, on the other side of the, just because that's all it is. It's just a very thin veil between this realm and the realm of the spirit. And, we, and yet, most of us live our, our, our days all the way through, even to 100 years never aware of what's happening on the other side of that veil. And we need to be. Why? Because we're the church. Now, now, when I said that, I didn't mean that New Beginnings is the church. I'm saying we're the church. The church is not this building. The church is not this walls, this carpet. The church is you. We come together in this building to meet, but the church is people. And the people of God need to know what God's doing. And so one of the things that I covered that weekend, I guess this will be two weeks ago, this coming weekend, was one of the obstacles of being alert to spiritual truths is a lack of proper priorities. So last Wednesday, we started talking about prioritizing our trust. How do we hear from God? Well, how are you going to hear from God if you don't trust God? And so Proverbs chapter 3, I want to read it through for you, what we talked about last week, very quickly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Man, this is a promise you and I need active every single day of our lives. Every day, we need to commit ourselves to the Lord. Every day, we need to acknowledge Him and every decision that we need to make. So the more you get to know God, the more you find out He's practical. He's a practical God. He's a practical, could you say that for me? He's a practical God. He's not a spooky God. He's not a way out there God. See, religion wants you to think He's a way out there spooky God. No, 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 He's very close to you. In fact, if you're a believer, you got a spirit living inside you. How much closer can you get? He's not a far off, no matter what Bette Midler says. 
So last week we talked about number one, trust in the Lord. We choose to trust God with our decisions and our direction. Number two, lean not on your own understanding. That means we need to learn to lean into God. Lean into God. We don't like to, we like to, we like to, no, I got this. No, he says, lean into me. It's a matter of seeking God's direction rather than coming up on our own. Number two is lean not on your own understanding. Lean into him. I said that already. Number three, I'm trying to get through here quick. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, in all your ways. And every time you pray, and every time you have a need, every time you need direction, you need uh, a plan, whatever it is. And then Philippians chapter four, verse six, awesome promise from the Holy Ghost. It's a great reminder that we don't have to worry about making the wrong decision as long as we bring everything to him in prayer. Be anxious for nothing. But, but that's the one thing today that you find most people. How do you feel? I'm just anxious. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm concerned. I'm burdened down. And yet he says, be anxious for nothing. And, and then he doesn't just say it and go, go on. You know, he doesn't just say and go on his business. You know how people sometimes say, oh, that's wonderful, and they move on. Well, well I'm stuck here. If you're telling me not to do this, what am I supposed to do? He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication means, in other words, bring your case to him with thanksgiving. Make sure you got thanksgiving added in there. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. Man, that's so important. I think we're going to be talking about this on the weekend, this coming weekend. This coming weekend, we're talking about discovering our purpose. We can't discover our purpose with a heart that's damaged, with a heart that's cluttered. I hope you come this weekend. This is going to be a good one. So, when we bring everything to him in prayer, we guard, we put a guard over our heart, and that's like a military term, and our minds through Christ Jesus. See, the devil would love nothing more than for you to go crazy, for you to be so bound up and so worried, so concerned, so, so oppressed that you can't think straight. That's not a way to start this year. And then number four said he'll direct your path. We have the direct result of doing all those things. Now. Remember another thing, God does direct us by peace, because remember we're talking about how to hear from God. And Colossians chapter three, verse 15 says, let peace, let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed you were called as members of one body. Can I just roll with it tonight? How many Christians walk around, how are you doing? Oh, I just feel so nervous. According to the scriptures, this shouldn't be. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members. You need to resist anxiety. You need to resist everything that would try to come and rob your peace. You see, when your peace gets robbed, it's a lot more than just the absence of turmoil. The enemy's not coming to rob your calm. The enemy's coming to rob your wholeness. Uh, are you listening to me? How many times did Jesus, when he addressed individuals in the Gospels? I think of one particular woman that came to him that needed healing. He said, your faith has made you whole. Whole. Don't let the devil rob your wholeness. Amen? So, now understand, you have, if you're, if you're a believer, if you've received Christ, the Holy Spirit's living on the side of you, you have 
a, 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 a guidance system on the inside. And you know when, when, when you're supposed to go in a certain direction or accomplish a certain thing or uh, do something, and, and then you get that on the inside, mm, something's not right here. Something's not right here. That, that's that warning system from the Holy Spirit. Let that be the, the guiding factor. Let that be the, the, the one that settles. Let that be the factor that settles. So many people override that, that eh, on the inside, and then they find themselves in a mess. That ever happened to anybody? God, what, am I the only one that's going to admit it? Come on, don't leave me hanging here. So, we got some time left tonight. Let's jump into the second part. Again, I want to remind you, that in order for us to become more aware of what's going on in the realm of the Spirit, for us to become more aware of what the Holy Spirit is saying, doing, and planning, we have to have our priorities lined up right. When you have messed up priorities, you can't hear clear, you can't think clear, you can't walk with stability. Now, Proverbs chapter 3 continues after the scriptures we read last week. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh. In other words, your body physically will profit from it. And strength to your bones. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Now that fear there is not a fear of terror. It's a healthy awe. And sometimes, can I have that bottle of water? Sometimes we get too familiar with God. Yeah, that always goes over real big. Sometimes we get too familiar with God. Sometimes, can you, can you just hear me real clearly tonight? Please, because I, I have nothing but the best intentions in my heart. Sometimes because we sinned and the ground didn't open, flames didn't shoot up, 25 demons didn't come and drag us into this pit, it seems like we got away with it. It seems like we got away with it. Because that happens and we misinterpret the grace of God, we become too familiar and we can lose that awe of God. If I was to ask almost any person in this room tonight, do you know the Lord? Oh, yeah, sure. I know Jesus. I asked him to come into my life. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I've confessed him with my mouth. What I mean by confess with my mouth, in other words, we confess, we're saying the same thing that the Bible says about Jesus or about a situation. Now, I want to bring you to kind of an illustration here. Um, the Apostle John, tradition tells us, was the youngest of all the disciples. He was probably a teenager when he was starting hanging around with Jesus. I think that's why Jesus really chose him from the cross to take care of his mother because the other ones were older. He figured I'd choose this younger one. He'll be there for my mother even in her old age. John the Apostle is known as John the Beloved. Uh, he even refers to himself as the one who Jesus loved. It seems like John was very close to Jesus, yes? Yeah. But yet, when you read the first chapter of the book of the Revelation, 
It says that when John saw Jesus, who he's so close to, remember, John is the one who put his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. Yet it tells us that when he saw Jesus in his majesty, the way Jesus appears in eternity, it says he fell at his feet almost like a dead man. We, we, yeah, you know, me and God are like this. I'll never forget, I asked somebody, a person who was actually in complete, total adultery. And they knew it, I knew it, God knew it. And I said to this person, where's your relationship with the Lord? Oh, no, me, me and Jesus are like this. <laughs> and I thought to myself, if Jesus walked in the room right now, I want to see how you're like this. <laughs> if Jesus showed up tonight in person here in his majesty, now he's here in spirit. But if he was to show up physically, in his majesty, every single one of us would hit the deck like that. Yet we live our lives like it's no big deal. Put that scripture back up there. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Again, let's go back to this because some of us were raised in denominations to think that God was this old man sitting on a throne with a baseball bat in his hand waiting for you to make a mistake, and so you better be afraid of him. You better be afraid of him. And that's not what that's talking about. This is talking about that genuine awe. Like, imagine what John felt like when he saw Jesus. And I was just teaching on this just a few weeks ago. See, God is love. He doesn't love. He is love. So whenever there's a manifestation of love, it's a manifestation of God. And Jesus, although he was in his majesty, although he's, he's dressed as a king and high priest in eternity and, and, and just a fire in his eyes would just scare everything out of us. Yet, when John fell at his feet, the Bible tells us in the original language that Jesus leans over to him and begins to say to him, John, it's me. It's me. I was dead, but now I'm alive. It's me, John. It's me. So, so we're supposed to hold him in awe and in majesty, but when we do, our response is not, the response from him is not sternness. The response from him is even more tenderness and wants to draw us closer to him and wants to just put our arms, his arms around us and protect us. This is an important thing. You see, because if you're wise in your own eyes, it means you're depending on yourself and you're not depending on God. The end result is a loss of the fear of the Lord. Now the Bible does tell us also in Proverbs that fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah. And if you're smart, You'll fear God. And maybe we should put it this way. Respect. Respect. When you have a healthy respect for someone, you don't act the same like you do with your buddies. When you have a healthy respect for someone, unfortunately, that whole concept is disappearing in our culture. That concept of honor, that concept of respect, that concept of, of giving due respect and due honor to an individual who deserves it. And yet the Bible talks about it all from front cover to back cover. 
But what are we talking about here tonight? I'm not rambling. I'm trying to get us to this place where we start paying attention to our priorities. Because when the priorities are off, you get stuck. You get, you get bogged down. You get into a rut. And then he tells us to depart from evil. And what's the end result of that? It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Let me give an example of not being wise in your own eyes. Why do we need to spend time on this? Uh, let me just explain it to you this way. Our culture, our society, seems like it's intent to develop that, that curse, that detriment of being wise in your own eyes. We're constantly, and, and we do this, I see Christians doing it all the time. We're constantly trying to build up self. But Jesus said, unless a, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, yeah. it abides alone. But we're trying to build up the kernel of wheat. And basically with that, that whole symbolism there is this, if you don't die to yourself and die to your life, you're never going to experience the truth about eternal life and never going to experience the power of eternal life. Because you can't have two people alive in the same body. Either he's going to rule and reign or you're going to rule and reign. And so it seems like our society is intent on promoting that ungodly concept. You can do it. You're the best. You're the, yeah, in Christ I can do it. In Christ I'm the best. In Christ I can do all things. In Christ there is an inner beauty. In Christ I walk in righteousness. In Christ. Amen. Not in me, not in you. Amen. The more we try to, you just got to be positive and just got to promote ourselves. And you really got to believe in yourself. Are you kidding me? Yes. Believe in myself. I know what I can do. I know the trouble I can, I know the mess I can make. You get the last person I want to believe in is me. Come on, you know, you're right there too. We have to be aware of these ungodly trends because they sneak into our, our psyche. They sneak into our soul. They just sneak right in there. And then all of a sudden they become these major thoughts in our mind. So then how is a person going to humble themselves when they think they're supposed to build themselves up? Yet the Bible says if you humble yourself in the sight of God, he'll exalt you in due time, in his time. Yes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Look, I want to bring you to an illustration in the Old Testament. Joseph. You remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Not, not Jesus' father, but Joseph, the son of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 41, when you get towards the end of Joseph's story, which if, if you like to study about that, I did a whole series about Joseph this year. We have it out there. When Pharaoh calls for Joseph to interpret his dream, you remember that? Yeah. Joseph is in prison. Pharaoh has this dream. Nobody can interpret this dream. And all of a sudden, one guy goes, wait a second, wait a second. A couple of years ago, when I was in jail, when I was in your prison, he said, there's a young man there that, in, that interpreted a dream and told me that I was going to be restored to your court. And so Pharaoh goes, go get him, go get him. So they go. And then in verse 15, it picks up here. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said, you, I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, now if it stopped there, Joseph, you could see him strutting around. But look at verse 16. Joseph replies to Pharaoh, I cannot do it. 
but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. What did he do? He, Joseph pulled himself out of the limelight. Joseph did not make himself wise in his own eyes. Now, he could have, he if he was a manipulative type person, he would have capitalized on this. And I believe with all my heart, because he humbled himself, because he was not wise in his own eyes, Pharaoh recognized that. And God put it in Pharaoh's heart to exalt Joseph to the next ruler in his kingdom, right next to Pharaoh, just the, the, the next in command. It's about humility. Make sure that you have your priorities right as it pertains to who you think you are. I don't know if I could put any plainer than that. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul say, Paul's writing here, I give each, each of you this warning, don't think you are better than you really are. Anybody know, any, you know anybody like that? Anybody ever come across anybody like that? Don't point. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. In other words, he's not saying that we have to debase ourselves. He's saying just have an honest evaluation of who you are. Have an honest evaluation of what you are. Have an honest evaluation of what you're capable of. Honest evaluation. Honest evaluation. Can I put it to you this way? An honest evaluation would be something like this. If you know that if you walk into a house and you see somebody smoking a joint, you're going to be right there with them, then you better have an honest evaluation of yourself. I better not go in that house. Can I get any plainer than that? Did he say joint? <laughs> Do they still call them that? Unfortunately, right? You hear what I'm saying? Now, what would be an inaccurate evaluation? Oh, I, I got this. I got this. And, and about five minutes after you walk in the house, you're like... <laughs> if you know that you have a weakness there, then an honest evaluation would be don't go there. If you got a drug problem, you don't go to work at Walgreens. <laughs> Took a couple of seconds, huh? Come on, it's just common sense. Now, let's flip it around the other way. He said, in one translation, says, not to think more highly of yourselves than you ought. And in a sense, we should think highly of ourselves because we have the Holy Ghost within us. And so if you're now the person that walks around because you've been religiously trained that, no, no, Pastor, I'm just, I'm nothing. I love this one. I just slap people when they do this one. I'm nothing but a weak old worm in the dust. Oh. Jesus did not die to make you a weak old worm in the dust. Jesus died to make you victorious. Jesus died to make you more than a conqueror. Jesus died to make sure that you walk around knowing who you have on the inside and not afraid to use the name just like we did tonight the name of Jesus. See, now, now if you don't use that name, if you, well, I'm, just, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, you, 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 that is not an honest evaluation. And your priorities are messed up. And you having messed up priorities might cost somebody their life. Are you listening? You having a wrong evaluation could cost somebody their life. What if you have a relative that's in the hospital, and this has happened, this happened to me, early days, early days. You have a relative that's dying in the hospital. They're not saved yet. 
And so I get a phone call, can you please go to the hospital and see so-and-so? My first thought was, I can't do this. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. I'm just me. I'm the guy back then. I'm just a guy who slices bologna for a living. And then it was like something slapped me in the face and went, no. You have the Holy Ghost in you. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand the, the, the fact of you being a believer, having the Holy Spirit? It's not, it, no, we're not in Old Testament time. Oh, Holy Ghost, come and fall on me. And he's inside going, where, where do you want me to fall? <laughs> now, these are kind of the stupid songs we used to sing years ago. Where's he going to fall? He's in you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's got to seek the Holy Ghost. Seek, what, what do you mean seek? He's there. All I got to do is let him use me. Let him use you. But you see, if you think you're not worthy, or I don't have that kind of power, according to that scripture, you have a wrong evaluation about yourself, and somebody's going to die that doesn't need to die. Are you getting this tonight? What is this all about? Having the right priorities. If, you don't, if you're a believer and you're a follower of Christ and you believe that he is your Lord, you, you have received him, you know you're going to heaven, you've got, now listen, don't throw nothing at me. You've got the same Holy Spirit operating in you that operated in Jesus' life. Same Holy Ghost. Same power. Same ability. The only thing you and I can't do that Jesus did go to the cross and die for mankind. Are you listening? Most of, the, most of the body of Christ, most of the church does not see themselves that way. Most of the church, most of the church wants a pastor to do it. Wants sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, you, you know, you, you go. No, what if God wants to use you? You listen to me? I remember years ago, I don't know, the church was a few years old at that time. We were meeting at the primary learning center on Chambersbridge Road. There was, there was uh, I'm going to just say it the way it is and I'll explain to you what I'm talking about. There was a move of God in the children's department. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit started moving through the young kids, through the little kids. Some of them were seeing Jesus. They're praying for each other and they're getting healed. So one Sunday morning, I heard this was going. I said, go get all those kids out of the children's class and bring them over here. That time, not in this building, at the primary learning center, auditorium there. I said, everybody that's sick, at that time, the church was only a couple hundred people. Everybody that's sick, come up here. Maybe 30, 40 people come up. Had them line up across the front. And I said to the little kids, you lay your hands on these people and pray for their healing. They're going down like flies. They're laying hands on these people and the power of the Holy Spirit's coming upon them and grown men are falling down on the floor. Little kids, little kids. Now in the natural, you know, oh no, that's a little kid. He's, that's a little kid, they can't do that. Oh, they did it. Do you ever think that's why maybe Jesus said that we're supposed to have faith like little children? Why, because they believe who they have on the inside. 
they're not all cluttered like you and I. Their priorities are not screwed up. They don't have wrong evaluation about themselves. And so because of that, they're more aware of what's going on. That's why newborn Christians see more miracles than some of the old timers. Why? They're not cluttered. You read it? That's how I was. I read it. I believed it. I believed, and I still do, that if, you th- if a person got stuck on a desert island and all they have was a Bible, they would come to the same conclusions that you and I come to because the Word of God is powerful. But, you know, I've got to ask this question. Now, it's apparent I'm not going to finish all this. That's okay because now it means I got my lesson ready for next week. I don't have to sweat it. <laughs> I love when God does this because it's like I get two messages out of one. Believe me, if you had my schedule, you'd be happy about that too. But here's the problem. And again, I I need to bring this out so that we can attack it. Most Christians are very happy living a very passive, non-aggressive, devil, you don't bother me and I won't bother you life. But that's not what we've been called to. We've not been called to that. We've been called to be aggressive. We've been called to be more than conquerors. We've been called to be victors, not victims. And if there's anything, if anyone says, you know, there's a revival in church. Yeah, there's a revival in church. It's a revival of victimism. (laughs) What we need now is a revival of victors. People who know who they are in Christ people who care about who they are in Christ, and people who have compassion for those that don't know him yet. That's what we are called to. And that's what we're going to have to give an account about. We're not supposed to be, see, we're not supposed to be minding our own business. Well, you ain't got no right to talk to people. No, I have every right. They're going to go to hell. And if they could get a glimpse of hell for about 30 seconds, they'd want to know everything we know. But life has got everybody so captive and busy. And we're missing out on things. We're content to call a truce. There's only one problem. There's no truce with the devil. He makes you think he's leaving you alone. He's just setting you up. There are marriages that need to be restored. There are people's bodies that need to be healed. There are families that need to be restored and put back together. There are people that need to get set free from addictions that are destroying their lives and are going to destroy generations in the future if somebody doesn't stop it. What are we going to do about it? Are we just going to come here? Awesome service, Pastor. It feels so good. If I make you leave just feeling good, I've failed. Jesus challenged people. Paul challenged people. We are living in the greatest time of history for the church. Oh, what are you talking about, Pastor? People are leaving churches. What are you talking about? Where? What churches? The churches that are marked as graves? 
Of course people are leaving there. But nobody ever reports about all the other churches that were people are just flooding to. Why? Because they realize, man, this life stinks. There's so much dissatisfaction out there. There's so much hopelessness out there. People are dying to hear what you take for granted. What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to go back and live your passive life? Oh, you know, things are finally okay, Pastor. I don't want to rile the devil up. It's amazing how many people think that way. You have power. You've been given power. You've been given authority. But the devil has power. Yeah, the devil has power over those who don't know who they are. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority over his power. Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, and he goes up, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Now, was he a liar? There's some of you here tonight. Oh, my gosh. You've got people in your life that are this close to death. And you have been convinced, well, it's not my business to go bother them. It's not my business to rile them up. It's not my business to, you know, they're not going to receive it. How do you know they're not going to receive it? Well, you know, they were like this all their life. Oh, yeah? Were they ever this close to death before? When you're this close to death, you think different. Now, Jesus said this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Now, either he was lying or he was telling the truth. If he was telling the truth, then you need to go bust in some gates and you need to go bust in some doors. You need to go bust in, so you need to go bust up the devil's kingdom. You need to go rescue some people. You need to get your priorities right. You need to start listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying, what his instructions that he's given to you. Now, even if it's like this, uh, go do the dishes for your wife. Now, That was just an example. <laughs> Why? That's being led by the Spirit. That's being led by the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit or we're wasting our time here. Now, now watch this. Because some of you could be sitting there going like I would have years ago. But pastor, man, if you knew the stuff that's going on in my life, if you knew the struggles that I face, if you knew the battle that I, I have to fight every single day to get out of bed, all I can say to you is this. This church stagnated for a number of years up until about 2005, 2006. It stagnated. We'd hit three, 400 people, and that was it. That's as far as it got. I'll never forget the first Easter Sunday we had 300 people. I wanted to go dance in the parking lot. And then all of a sudden, when the Lord spoke to me in 2006 and said these words, if refugees were to flood from the north down here, would you be able to feed them? And I said, not today. In other words, not yet. And then I knew what he was telling me to do, that we had to start this food distribution, this food pantry here. Who knew that in 2012, we'd have refugees flooding here from the ocean? Who knew? But what happened? That's not the point I'm trying to make here. This is what happened. When we opened the food pantry right outside in what we call the lobby now, I'm sorry, did I kick you? 
As soon as we opened that food pantry and we started to meet the needs of the community, God started sending 50, 100, 20 people, 25. And the church, am I right? Am I right? Am I right? And the church started to multiply and multiply and multiply. So what has it got to do with my struggle? Honey, listen to me. When you go and be about the Father's business, he takes care of yours. While you're fighting somebody else's battles, he's fighting yours. But if you sit there waiting, oh, you know, when I get free, you know, when I get free, you know, when I get free, no, you ain't never going to get free because you're already bound in your head. You're looking for an event that's already taken place. Just like when somebody says, you know, when I get, when I, when that, when I win that lottery, I'm going to bless the church. No, you ain't. Because if, if you can't do with the $10, you ain't going to do with the $10 million. And everybody said, Amen. hallelujah. Ask me how I know. <laughs> no, you don't say, Pastor, I got this deal I'm working on. I got this deal I'm working on. This deal comes true, man. I'm going to be able to bless the church. Yeah? How about you give me the pennies now? So we can feed some people. So we can bless some people. Now, see, if you, if, see, the enemy wants you bound up in you. Remember this? Do not be wise in your own eyes. If you'll just go and throw yourself on him. Just say, I don't know how it's going to happen, Lord. I don't know how, but I believe you. I believe you that your grace is sufficient for me. I believe that I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. Yeah, that same giant might be there, but guess what? Your grace is sufficient for me. I'm going to go to bed tomorrow night, and that same anxiety is going to try to come on me. But you know what, Lord? Your grace is sufficient for me. And all of a sudden, one day, you wake up and you realize, whoa, I, haven't, I didn't feel that way for about three, four days now. What happened? Because you're being busy, busy about somebody else's business. But if you're sitting home like this, oh my God, oh my God, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Guess what? Ain't going to happen. I'm talking to somebody tonight. All right, we got all the zeros back there, so we got to be done. The clock just went zero, 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 zero. And although I would love to stay here another hour, there's children that need to go to school tomorrow. Uh, there's parents that need to pick up their kids, their teenagers. So let me just ask you this question. Did you learn anything tonight? Yes. Did you get blessed tonight? Yes. Now, now listen to me. I didn't ask you that for me. Now, the Bible teaches us a principle. We are blessed to be a blessing. If you've been impacted tonight, if you've been blessed tonight, please, I charge you in the name of Jesus, go take what you got tonight and go get somebody free. Amen? Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, come on up. If not, you're dismissed. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.